0: Father, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to once again open up the word of truth. And it's a word that will change our lives. But God, it's not a word just to be put on a shelf. It's a word to be walked out through our lives. And we thank you that you've given us the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, to accomplish great things. The power to be, the power to live, and the power to serve. And God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Tonight I want to do something and to kind of sum up the series that we've been doing on the Holy Spirit, the undeniable power, the vital ingredient, the subjects that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And what I want to do is I want to answer some of the most frequently asked questions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And as I said, this is really the fourth message on this. But one thing that we've got to understand is there are questions that every one of us have. And it's very sad that the Holy Spirit... And what we're talking about is not just the salvation experience where we know the Spirit of God leads us in that. We read the scripture from John 6, verse 44, where it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So we know that there is a drawing, there is a leading of the Spirit of God, just like when you're sitting in church and a message being preached, maybe something inside of your heart is saying, you know what, I was too harsh to my wife today. I need to apologize. Maybe you may say, well, you know what, I I cheated today on that test. I need to go back to the teacher tomorrow and I need to tell him that I, I, I cheated on that. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit drawing us to a place of repentance to a place that we would come and ask for forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 says, it's the Holy Spirit that does the drawing in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit's role leading us back and bringing us to that place of repentance. But that's our salvation experience. But there is another experience that we believe as children of God that we have available to us, and that's the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that we can have the Holy Ghost that will captivate every aspect of, And every area of our lives, filling us, immersing us, baptizing us, and we believe that there is evidence to that. Anything that God does has evidence. Look at your life. You are evidence or evident to the power or the life-changing power of God. You were once one way, but now you're completely changed. Do I hear an amen? That's evidence. God has evidence. Anything that's real can be backed up with evidence. So we believe that the evidence of the infilling of the power of God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking a heavenly language or as we say in tongues. And it's amazing that it's such opposition against the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the church today. That how many families and churches and organizations have been literally split over the fact of believing whether it's for today or it was just something of the past. They can't deny that it ever happened because it's recorded. It happened. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if he's moving upon their lives with power and quickening their lives, I didn't see or read a verse where Jesus said, I've changed. So the things of God that He gave to them back then, they are still available to every one of us today. And I've just got a sneaky feeling that we maybe need the Holy Spirit a little bit more today than what they may even have needed Him back then. Wow, they had problems and they had struggles. But we're living in an age today that we are bombarded in every step. Perhaps, no, our lives are not at threat yet. They are in some nations and some countries. And unfortunately, in this nation, we're maybe not far from that as we see the laws and the rules being changed. But you know what? We need the Holy Spirit. What have I said so many times? The darker the night, the brighter the light. So the darker the day, the brighter the illumination of the Holy Spirit that we need to have a glow inside of us. So the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that when they were instructed by Jesus to go and wait, that he was going to send the paracletos, the helper, the one called alongside, to be with them. The Bible says that when they were in one accord and in one place, the Spirit of God fell upon them. There was a wind that gushed in, there was clothing tongues of fire, but the Bible says that they all spoke with another tongue. So the first question I want to answer tonight is this, why tongues? Why a language? Why did God choose to use that? Why not another way? Let me first say this about tongues, if I may. It's not just a babble. It's not just a chatter or an incoherent jabbering, as many have suggested, which, you know what, any time we kind of belittle and make fun of the things of God, we're on dangerous ground. Molly was just reading to me the other day one of her favorite scriptures in the Bible and it was from Revelations and she was reading to me and she started reading, I think it's Revelations 22, is it the last chapter in Revelations? And she was reading I think 13 and 14 which was her favorite verses and she kept reading and in there it says right at the end, if anyone adds anything to the word of God, then the plagues and all the things will be added. And if anyone takes away, we're running the risk. What am I saying is we've got to watch how we handle and how we talk about the things of God in our lives. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1 through 9. We're going to read these verses this evening. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. For all you heathens who don't bring your Bible to church, we've got it up on the screen for you. And for everyone else who thinks your neighbor is texting, they're probably just really cool and they have an iPhone where the Bible is already on it. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Sinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, "'Come and let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly.'" They had bricks for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is into the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Verse 6, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are One. Indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. Don't forget that. That's important. They're one and they all have one language. And what does it go on to say? And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Because of one voice... Because of one language, because of one vision, God himself said that there is nothing that can be withheld from man. Let's read on. Come let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad, them from all over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called... Babel or Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. Verse 6, last part. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. I believe what we read of in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon them, was God once again restoring a unified language. That God was once again giving mankind a language, this time a heavenly language, that would once again unite us, bring us together. That once again, what God himself said was available and was possible. Can now once again become available and possible to each one of us. The language that we see in the book of Acts was a language not known by those who spoke it. That a language came upon them and they didn't know what they were saying. But as we would read in Acts chapter 2, others around heard them praising and glorifying God. Let's look at that day, the day of Pentecost, as it's known, and ha- hasten the words "pentecostal," is where we get the, the label, if you want to put it that way, or the title for those who are spirit-filled or tongue talkers, as they like to call us. Pentecostal. Pentecost, literally in Greek, means 50. The 50th day after. So it's the 50th day after Passover, and that was when the angel of God, remember the Egyptians, when God was about to set them free from the Egyptian bondage, the angel of death came, and if they did not have the blood over the doorposts and on the, doors, on the lentils and the doorposts, that the angel entered that home and destroyed the firstborn. So it took place 50 days after in their calendar after Passover and it was actually during feast times. It was during the, the feast of harvest or first fruits and that's why the Bible tells us that in Jerusalem at that time there were so many people. It was feast time when Pentecost came. And it's amazing that God doesn't do anything by chance. We just think, oh, 50 it's just a random number. Listen, God doesn't do anything by chance. He purposed Pentecost to be in the middle of that time when all these nations and people were together. For what reason? That he could touch the world for Jesus Christ. When you think about Jesus, when he came to this earth, it wasn't by chance that Jesus came during the Roman rule. We would look and say, well, why would you want to bring someone in under persecution? Why would you want to bring someone in literally under a dictator who was controlling people like the Romans did? You either bent and bowed to the Romans or they killed you. They ruled the day. But why was it God sent his son Jesus at that time? I'll tell you why. Because the Romans built roads everywhere they went. They had built boats and there wasn't hardly a place of the world that had not been reached by them. And there was something else that when Rome was in rule, there was a universal. There was one language that was spoken every place they went. So it wasn't by chance that Jesus was sent at that time. It was at that time where communication was at the best it ever could be. And that the word and the miracles and the testimony of Jesus would be spoken and understood in nations and in different parts of the world. Many feel that because of what we read here, as we just read in Acts chapter 2, to them in speaking in tongues is the fact that speaking in tongues is a language that is spoken somewhere in the world. And known by some people In the world or in heaven. How do we know this? Acts 2, verse 11. What did the people say who were gathered in that vicinity? In Jerusalem, they said, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They were praising God in languages not previously known by them. But spoken by the various nationalities present in Jerusalem. You may shoot this down and you may say this is not true. I've told this story in this church before. My grandfather had the opportunity many years ago, uh, he had the opportunity to go to Israel. My grandfather loved Israel so much. He would pray for Israel and the, the peace of Jerusalem every day. He loved Israel. And one day he had the opportunity to go with his best friend. And my grandfather was so overcome when he finally landed in Israel and he got in a taxi and they were on their way to, the, to their hotel. My grandfather said that he was actually moved with tears and he began to pray. And he began to pray with this guy in the car with him. And they began to pray in the heavenly language. And they were just worshipping and glorifying God for giving them the opportunity to see the places where Jesus had walked and just to be a part of it. They were so overcome with emotion. And when the taxi driver dropped them off in broken English, he said to them, I did not know that you knew my native language. My grandfather said we didn't. He said, for the last 30 minutes you have just glorified and testified to me of a man named Jesus. Now you can say, well that's crazy. I don't believe that. The Bible says that people from different tongues and different languages heard a group of uneducated, unknowing people who were lifting their hands as the Spirit of God came upon them. And they spoke languages that they did not know. But people of that day knew and understood. Listen to me. This is what you've got to get about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that day, just like today. But that day, the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak the language of the world. He enabled them to reach out. And to witness and to bring glory to God. You know what the role of the Holy Spirit is in the life of us, the believer? It's to make us speak a language, to live a language, to be a language that will reach and impact and touch people around today. That people would see Christ in us, the Bible says. The hope of glory. The Holy Spirit made the gospel relevant to every one of their individual needs, not through compromise, but according to power. People of that day thought they had to go to a priest. They thought they had to do this and that. But when the power of the Holy Ghost came and people began to witness about Jesus and the reality of Jesus, it began to speak to people in their place. That's why Paul says, I know how to be all things to all men. He's not talking about compromising his stance and his stand. But he says, now I have a way that I can win everyone. That I can speak people's language. You know what the Holy Spirit can do through you? You can be working with someone who's broken and devastated. You know what? You may have not gone through the loss that they've gone through. But you know what? The Holy Spirit can give you the words to minister to them in their time of desperation and need. That's speaking their language, isn't it? That's the language they need to hear that day. The language they need to hear that day is not maybe even someone calling up and say, you've just won $10,000. they are so broken and de- destroyed, $10,000 doesn't even excite them. They need to know that there's hope for another day. The Holy Spirit can speak through you. And you can quicken and be quickened to touch them. As we look around us today, there are literally hundreds and maybe even thousands of different languages and dialects. Many strange to our ears, if you've ever watched the science channels or the national whatever and all these things and you hear in these tribes and all these things, it's just some languages are just a whole load of jabber and foolishness and you think, how can that be? Weird stuff. But you see, it's not weird to those who converse with each other. It's not weird to those, Kelly and I were driving down the street the other day and these vulture kind of like things were on the side of the road and there was like a possum on the side of the road and we drove by and came back and when we came back it was on the ditch. But I was laughing at these birds when I drove past because it was like all of a sudden when they saw a car come and they all took off. And then when the car came back and they were all pulling and working together I said to Kelly, it's amazing, they have to communicate to each other. They must have a lookout guy say, watch out buddies, here comes another car, you've got ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, come on, hit the sky, hit the sky, Run, run! get out, okay, come on, let's go, the coast is clear, let's go, come on, who's going to pull, who's going to watch, who's going to, there's got to be a communication somehow, but in the same way we can look and say, there's no way people can communicate like that, but they do. So if we're saying that the language that we have as a heavenly language is a language that's spoken somewhere in the world, we could be completely right in saying that. But the Bible doesn't specifically specify that as such. We know that they spoke in a language that was understood. But the Bible is very clear about this. It was a language that was not previously known by those who received it. And we also will see this, but it's a language that they maybe didn't know. But it's a language that heaven knows. It's a language that heaven can interpret. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, Paul writes these words. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. This has been thought to imply the fact that, yes, it can be a language of men of this world, but also, in some cases, it can be a heavenly language, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. So whether it is a language that is known or spoken in this earth, or whether it's a heavenly language, here's the most important thing. It's a language that is known by God. And what it does is, I believe it universally, once again, joins us together. That we are one language, with one purpose, with one vision and one intent, and that is to make His name great again. So why tongues? Possibly because language is the main source of communication in this world. But you know what God, I believe, why He uses tongues is this. There's faith when we begin to speak. I said there's faith that comes when we begin to speak. And the Bible tells us that God wants to use our faith, the words that we say, or His utterance that He gives to each one of us. So perhaps it's a language that's known, perhaps it's a language in heaven, whatever it is, we know it's a language that is known by God. And it's a language that glorifies God and praises God. So what does it do? Okay, that's good. That's the tongue part. So what does it do? Why do I need it? If salvation is all that's required for heaven, because it is. Let me say that one more time. Salvation is all that's required for heaven. Then people say, well then, that's all I need. Well, that's great with that thought. But remember what Jesus says, I don't want to leave you alone. And I'm going to send a helper here. Now we know Jesus will never leave us, he'll never forsake us, but he was showing us that he had to go back to heaven to prepare a place for us, but he was leaving the Holy Spirit to be with us always. So if it's just salvation is the only thing required for heaven, great, but I'm not in heaven yet. Anyone in heaven yet? Anyone made it yet? We're still living on this earth, we've still got struggles, we've still got problems that we're facing every day. So why do we need it? We need it to help us face the struggles. And still to be the witness. What does it offer to me? There's one thing that I think you've got to really understand when it comes to the heavenly language. And that is this, primarily. Notice the word I said, primarily. I didn't say totally, but primarily. The Holy Spirit or the language of speaking in tongues is given to each one of us as the believers for our own personal and our own private prayer times. I said primarily, I didn't say totally. Totally. We'll see this through the Bible and I wish I had time but the Holy Spirit is a time that in our own private time that we can speak in tongues, that we can speak and build ourselves up and we'll see in a second what it does. So it doesn't mean it should not be used in public, I didn't say that, but primarily it is for the individual. The Bible tells us that speaking in tongues is to be used in the church when there is prophecy or when there is interpretation. So we've got to be careful here. Look what 1 Corinthians 14 verse 23 says. We've got to be careful. It's not that we shouldn't speak in tongues in church. Don't get me wrong. But look what 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 23 says. It says there, Therefore if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speaks in tongues, and there comes in those who are unformed or unbelieving, uninformed or unbelieving, will they not say that you are all out of your mind? They're going to look and say, you're a bunch of crazy loons. You are insane. You are crazy. Some people just like to speak in tongues and do it just what, for what reason? To make themselves look holier than the next person. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to deal with you and to give you an evidence in your life that will completely change you in private that when you come out in public, you are going to be a different person. The Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit is given to the believer and it's more than just an expression of praise and worship. When we praise and worship God, maybe you lift your hands and speak in other tongues, that's great. But the Holy Spirit or the tongue is more than just an expression of praise and worship that should be seen in the church. I believe, once again, its key role and its key purpose is for my daily walk. And in my private time of prayer. We'll see it's going to build me up. It's going to edify me. It's going to lead me. It's going to guide me. It's going to teach me how to pray. We're going to see all that. So it's not just a language. It's more than that. It's a tool that God wants to use that will bring people to Christ. And not turn them away. Don't you use this illustration. If I meet Victoria in the street. She doesn't know who I am. If I just go up to her and lay hands on her and start speaking in tongues over her life, what's she going to think? I'm crazy. She's got every right. She doesn't understand that. She doesn't comprehend what is going on. But you know what I begin to do? The Holy Spirit deals with me as I'm walking past and says, you need to pray for Victoria. You know what begins to happen? The Holy Spirit begins to say, you need to pray for her. And what do I do? No. No. Come on, let's just be honest. I, you know, I, was just, I ate too much cheese and it's just kind of giving me the indigestion. It's my indigestion talking. You need to pray for her. I've had that so many times happen in my life. So what do I do? I don't know what to pray for her. So what do I do? I begin to pray under my voice. I begin to speak in a heavenly language. Because what am I doing? I am making a way for God's Holy Spirit to use me to speak into her life. So then what do I do? I say to her, you know what? God just told me that you need me to pray for you today. And I want to pray for you. What's happened? The Holy Spirit in my private life has now made me what? Publicly appealing, if you want to put that way, to her. I'm not repulsive. If I'd have just gone and laid hands on her, there's a time and a place for that. But someone stranger in the street is probably not the time and not the place. But as I've been sensitive through the leading of the Spirit of God, that language, that private prayer life that I have with God, guess what? Now begins to become public as I can begin to speak. And we will see later that God wants to speak to us through mysteries. You know what that is? Confirming to us things that we may not know in ourselves, but God's going to say to us, you know what? You just lost your job. I don't know who she is. I just what? That's the mysteries of the Holy Spirit as he's speaking through our lives. So please understand this. The reason we have the Holy Spirit, yes, we can lift our hands in church and pray. And yes, we can give tongues. And the Bible says we could give tongues in church and there should be interpretation and there should be prophecy. You can read that in 1 Corinthians 14 as Paul goes through it all. And Paul says, I speak in tongues more than most of you. He wasn't saying don't do it. But he said in certain areas and certain places it's better to speak five words in understanding than multitudes of words in a language that is not understood. So again, we're not saying it's not for the church because it is because we are the church. Come on now. We are the church. We're the temple of the living God. So what good does it do? It leads us in God's. I want to look quickly at what good the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. How it wants to help you in your life. Number one, it ushers in the Holy Spirit. It ushers in the Holy Spirit. It makes the Holy Spirit welcome into our lives. That's why we need the infilling, because it brings with it the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, we read that as they were given the utterance and began to speak, the Holy Spirit was ushered in. And as they spoke, they were filled. They were filled. Therefore, if tongues serve to usher in the Holy Spirit, it becomes... It becomes of extreme importance in this great work of grace in the hearts and lives of us, the believers. As I begin to speak in tongues and I begin to pray, and we'll see why I do that in my private life. It ushers in the Holy Spirit that He fills me, He leads me, He guides me, He gives me what I need. Here's the second thing it ushers in. Number one, the second thing is the Holy Spirit brings refreshing to your life. Just like Jesus, He not only brings peace, He is peace. The Holy Spirit is refreshing to your life. Isaiah 28 verse 11 and 12 says these words, For with stammering lips and another tongue He will speak to His people to whom He said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing.'" Yet they would not hear. The rest, that word rest there is to soothe and to comfort through His life. The Holy Spirit wants to give every one of us the refreshing that we need. When hopes just burnt out and we all get to that place and we think we can't go no more, we can just begin to speak in that heavenly language and let God refresh us. It sometimes feels like just cold water has just been poured over you and there's just a a refreshing, a soothing of God's Spirit. It's like a recharging of your batteries. Jude 1 verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It lifts us up spiritually. It refreshes us. It restores us. It charges our batteries. It fills the tank. However you want to say. Here's the third reason why I believe we need the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking. It helps us to pray. Not that we can't pray without it, but it brings, I believe, and I know, it brings our prayer life into a whole new dimension. Look what Romans 8 and verse 26 says. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself prays through us, makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Have you ever got to that place where you just didn't know what to do, but you've had those groanings that just cannot be uttered in your life? Come on, those groanings, that Greek word for groanings that cannot be uttered is literally that which cannot be articulated in a normal or a natural voice. Have you ever seen someone so smitten with grief? They can't talk. It's just a cry. But what happens? The Holy Spirit helps us pray when we don't know what to pray. There's been many times I don't know what to pray. Do I have a witness in the house? There's many times I don't know how to pray. When God lays Miss D upon my life and I'm driving down the car, down the street. I don't know what's going on in Miss D's life, but there's something inside of me said, you need to pray. You know, by the time I get her on the phone and hunt her down and find her and say, by the way, Miss D, the Holy Spirit's led me to pray for you. How many knows it could be too late? Hello? It could be too late. I'm running the risk of missing that divine time. Perhaps the Holy Spirit has come upon me to pray because why? There's a car that's perhaps 50 yards away from her with her name on it coming straight for her. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, just pray for Miss D. I don't know what to pray, but in your spirit world, you just begin to speak in other tongues and you pray. You make an intercession. Helps us how to pray when we don't know or how to pray. We don't always know the circumstances or or completely the problems. But can I tell you this? He does. He knows not only what you need. He knows what your neighbor needs. The Bible says he knows what you need before you even know it's a problem or a need. That's the God that we serve. Don't tell me that the Holy Spirit can't pray through you. Well, I've got to say this in English and I've got to do this. Listen, let me tell you something. We need to connect to the throne room of God. He teaches us how to pray. We can't wait till we know. We can pray in tongues and allow the Holy Spirit to move upon our hearts and say things to the Heavenly Father when we don't even know what we're saying or how to say it. Therefore, God's Holy Spirit truly makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I like that. Not man's will. But when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we pray God's will over situations. Number four, why do we pray in the Holy Spirit? Because it edifies the believer. Again, we saw in Jude one verse twenty that says, But you beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith as you pray in the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that. Corinthians four verse or fourteen verse four says, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. The Holy Spirit clearly builds up and strengthens us, but it's not for selfishness. The strength doesn't come just for us. Thank God it's there for us. But remember the witness. He comes to give us spiritual strengthening that our lives will be a blessing to others. Yes, it will benefit us, but to the benefit of others also through the strengthening of our lives. He builds us up. Let me move quickly because we're running out of time. Number five, for effective prayer. Why do we have tongues and the Holy Spirit, the infilling, For effective prayer. Again, once again, it doesn't mean we can't pray without Him or it doesn't mean that our prayers are ineffective. But it's literally a divine means of communication. It's like the red phone straight to the office. It's like the, it's like the phone straight to the bat cave. You know what I'm saying? We've got a problem, Batman. Sends up that beam, that phone, that direct line. As we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, someone have, some have said it like this. Our prayers are unpolluted. I'll be the first to admit I pray sometimes polluted prayers. It's prayers with my selfish motive. It's prayers with my desires and my things. God says, I'll give you the desires. Come on, I want to start praying His desires over my life. What He has for my life. So the next thing that we see in point number six is this. It eliminates selfish praying. Eliminates selfish praying. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. It almost bypasses all of our desires, which many times are not godly nor kingdom building. How many times do we maybe pray things into existence that ought not have even to been asked for? But when we pray in the Spirit, we automatically eliminate selfishness from our prayers. Now the Spirit, He speaks to us in mysteries. Now we are praying His prayer. And the mysteries that we talked about in there mean secrets which have been divinely received. We can pray His will, His way. We'll pray His will. And the last thing about speaking in tongues, why should we do it? Because it glorifies God. We read the scripture from Acts two eleven, where they heard in their own tongue the wonderful works of God, even though we don't know what we're saying. As we begin to speak and usher in his presence, there's a refreshing, there's an edification, there's a leading, there's a guidance, there's effectiveness that comes in our lives that will change us in everything that we do. The last question or second from last question tonight, this is shorter ones. Do all speak in tongues? People have asked this, do all speak in tongues? The answer, unfortunately, is no. But can or could all speak in tongues would perhaps be the better answer the, or the question and the answer is yes. All can speak in tongues if they meet the conditions. The first condition is salvation. The second condition is asking by faith. And the third condition is surrendering or yielding your life to God. We discussed that in greater depth on Sunday. But one must surrender and yield to receive this gift. Unfortunately, many do not desire to have it. And we know that the Holy Spirit will not force himself. One of his characteristics is a dove, the gentleness. He will not force himself where he is not wanted. But where he's wanted, he will fill. Where he is welcomed, he will fill. It's like the field of dreams. If you build it, They will come. If you open up your life and yield, He will come. It's a gift that has to be willingly received. Every gift has to be received. I can offer Victoria a gift and if she doesn't take it, guess what? She hasn't got it. I haven't been able to give it. A gift has to be received. And from the previous question that we had answered, why do we do this? What does it do to me, the believer? as we went through the list of all those things, we can see that forfeiting this gift and not receiving it leaves us without so many blessings that God intends for every one of us to possess. The helper, the paracletus, the one who's there. No wonder it's so controversial, because it's so beneficial. And Satan knows if he can stop people or turn people off to it, he's turning them off to the power that it brings to the believer. And here's the last question. These are questions that I have been asked and others have been asked when it comes to tongues. And here's the last question. that's perhaps the one that would speak the most to some in this place today. Why haven't I received it? I've asked God and I've prayed and I'm saved and, and I've asked by faith and I've surrendered my life. Why haven't I received it? Doesn't God love me? Is it me? What am I doing wrong? Because you see, that's what the devil will begin to tell you. The devil is going to begin to tell you, it's all your fault. It's it's you. The reason you haven't received it is because there's sin in your life, and there's this, and you haven't done this, and you haven't. Listen, remember this. Anything the devil says to you, you've got to remember what he is. He is the deceiver of the brethren. That means he is a liar. He is an accuser. Everything he says is lies. So if you're battling and you're saying when you believe in all those lies, listen, you need to stop conversating with the devil because you aren't going to get very far. You're going to go down, not up, if you start talking to him. One thing I've discovered in my walk with God, I've walked with God, I've been brought up in church. I remember waking up in church when when I was a little kid. They used to have carry cots in England. I don't know if they had them here. They were just like these square kind of cot things that babies laid in and then they would have like a frame with wheels on and they would sit on there but they would carry it. They didn't have all the car seats and everything they did now. They had carry carts and in our church at one time there was about 10 or 15 carry carts and they would be lined up on the side of the platform and that was me and all my cousins and my sister and all of our family. So when we all started crying, I'm telling you, I don't know how they had church with all of us kids in there. But I remember the number of times I woke up under pews or under chairs and I would see my mum's feet dancing as they were worshiping and praising God at about 10 o'clock, 10.30 on a Sunday night and church started at 6. They were still going and they were loving every minute. I mean, they were just getting warmed up by 8 o'clock. 9 o'clock, they were just almost there. 10 o'clock, they were feeling real good. And by about 10.30, they were just high-fiving and jumping and praising God. I thank God for that heritage. But in my life, being brought up in church, there's many things that I've seen and had to discover for myself. And one thing through my years that I have seen and had to discover for myself is there are some things in God that are inexplainable. I would love to have the answer to every one of you who have perhaps sought God for years and years to have the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and you haven't got it. I would love to have the answer for you. But there are some things in God that are inexplainable. We don't know why and for what reason. And perhaps this is one of those times today. I don't have all the answers and neither does it sometimes feel like there is the right answer out there all the time. But here's the given that I have for you today. And that is this. This is what I do know. And that is, you will never obtain it or never receive it. If you stop asking for it. I don't know why you haven't got it, but don't let it stop you from asking. When you play golf, you know what they say? You stand a 100% chance. When you're putting the ball, you stand a 100% chance of not getting into the hole if you don't get it up to the hole. Think about that. If you keep it short, it stands a 100% chance Every time that the ball's not going to make it into the hole. That's why they tell you when you're putting, I've got to learn this, you've got to shoot for about a foot, a foot and a half past the hole. That's where you aim. Because if the ball doesn't go past the hole, it never had a chance to make it into the hole. I don't have the answer why you haven't received, but let me tell you this, you never will if you give up seeking and asking God for it. You see, you cannot reason. If we try to reason and figure out all the things of God, we're going to be struggling. Because you don't reason out the things of God. You don't receive them by reason. You receive them by by faith. By faith. And that's not a cop out and say, I don't know how to explain it to you. It's the truth. By faith, you have just got to believe and hang in there sometimes and never quit believing. And here's my thought in conclusion here. Why would we want To lower God down to our way of seeing and thinking things when God can elevate us up into His way of seeing and doing things. I'm glad I don't have all the answers. Why? Because, hey, He's above my ways. He's above me. But you know what? Instead of trying to lower God and put Him in a box, I want to go up to Him. Come on, I want to go up higher. I want to go up higher in Him. So, why? I don't know, but one thing I do know is this Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And to he who seeks, and to him who knocks, it's going to be opened. It means to petition. The words there mean to petition. It's written in the present tense, meaning a continuous, don't stop. It means, or the best way to perhaps translate that would be, ask, 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 ask. Seek, 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 seek. It's a continual thing that you and I must do. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, but just because it hasn't happened for you, doesn't mean it's not real. And doesn't mean that God does not have it prepared for you. I don't know why, but here's my motto. I don't know why I haven't received it, but I'm going to die still trying. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Why? For it's for you today, it's for every believer. What a gift! A gift that will change me from the inside out. Power to live, power to serve, and power to be. The Holy Spirit, the vital ingredient that brings with it undeniable power. God wants to speak through your life, to equip you, to change you, to make you an absolute powerhouse, that you would have the strength to live a victorious life, to be the witness, to glorify God, and to live to the fullest potential that God has for you. How do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask God to fill us and to refill us as we get that heavenly language as in our private devotion and our times we can build us. Yes, we can worship God in church with it. Yes, we can use it to praise God. But we've got to remember this. It's a tool that God gave to us to bring glory to his name, not to make us look weird and insane. Yes, it's for the church, but yet also when used in the church with prophecy and interpretation. Building yourself up in the most Holy Ghost. would you stand to your feet tonight? Would you just
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at at HFLC.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.